Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, that lady that you love, Brittany Page. Oh. Yeah. How nice. Or should have I said the lady who you love? I always get confused on the they, the who, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that whatever you felt in your heart at the time is... Is that how grammar works? (laughs) I'm just trying to... However you felt at the time. Give you a pass. Is that how you got through grad school? (laughs) That is not. You get a paperback. On your thesis, it's... uh, They like, well, the the editor, when you submitted it, they're like, well, I need to change this and that. Yeah. No, 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 no. At the time, I was feeling like that was right. Yeah. (laughs) Goes for spelling, everything. Wow. Yeah. Your your school, it is a really safe space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Well, listen, speaking of safe spaces, that's a terrible transition. I think it's great. What a horrible segue. Again, you were just feeling it. That's how I was feeling right then. Yeah, yeah. We have on the show today a guest who I am proud to have on. Yeah. He's running for Congress against a guy named Daryl Issa who is for the 49th District of California, right down here, Mm -hmm. just south of where we are in Orange County right now. Yep. Part of our county is is made up of, or his district is made up of part of our county. See, I'm. you know how I'm feeling right now? Huh. Not very good. This is probably going to be a shit show. (laughs) It's not looking good for the interview. I think it will go great. This is an important one. Very important. Yeah. Uh, and look, there are there are many many uh, districts out there that it is important to get the the Republican out of office. Ours being one of them, Dana yeah, Rohrbacher, for sure. But Daryl Issa has has a powerful position of seniority within the Congress. He's the former House Oversight Chairman, 
which ran lots of committees through there with their their trumped up bullshit committees uh, trying to to besmirch the Obama administration. Right. Benghazi. He's the. He's the Herman Munster looking guy you used to see on TV. He's like a mini Herman Munster. Yeah. Well, Daryl Issa also is team Trump all the way. Big time Trump All the way in. That's right. So Mike Levin is running for Congress against him. Environmental lawyer. uh, Very smart guy. We need more smart guys and gals in Congress. We do. Because it is bereft of intelligence up there. Yeah, and that's why this is so important because Daryl Issa is not a not a great guy. He's the richest man in Congress. That's how you might know him if you are not from California. That's right. And he, like I said, he's all in for Trump. So he he was an early adopter of Donald Trump. He was like Jeff Sessions, and we've seen how that turned out. Yeah, and so <laughs> anyone who is so in the bag for Trump is really a problem because they are for sure not going to be involved in anything that it attempts to hold him accountable. That's right. Yeah. So. Especially when you're in a leadership position. Yeah. You should be honest and earnest about it where it relates to this investigation. You know, day by day by day with the the new reporting we're getting about the connections to Russia with Jared Kushner and now Donald Trump with the Paris Climate agreement pulling out of that we need earnest people in congress so without further ado let's get to mike all right well join us via the miracle that is skype is mike levin who is running for congress against the aforementioned daryl isa mike thanks for joining us we appreciate your time jesse it's an honor to be with you thank you so much for all you do and uh uh, I am a fellow Orange County guy and uh, love your show. I'm really excited to talk about this race, one of the most important in the country. <laughs> let's let's not get ahead of ourselves on the loving of the show. We're uh, <laughs> we're we're just happy that you you've checked it out a couple times. <laughs> you got it. You got. <laughs> so so happy, listen. Happy to do that. Uh, Daryl Issa has been called by the New York Times uh, the most vulnerable member. Uh, incumbent in Congress right now. So you're in a unique position to to really have a a very good shot of turning the the 49th district of California blue. Yep. Um yep. What is what has spurned you? What has motivated you to, to jump in the ra- I mean listen, for for those of for those listeners out there who don't know and there's many, I we have an international audience, so I don't suppose our <laughs> our Scandinavian listeners know the exact ins and outs of the 49th district elections last time. Probably not. <laughs> but Daryl Issa won by fewer than 1700 votes. So he is he's in danger here and you 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 very well will be the next congressman for the district. What uh, what did what motivated you to get out there and, and challenge him? Well, what happened with me? I, I came pretty close to running last time and ultimately decided not to. Uh, we had our daughter, uh, who's now three. Uh, we had her in March of 2014. We also have a, a son that was born in June of 2012, and and we just decided my wife and I decided that it wasn't in the best interests of our young and growing family to run for Congress with the newborn and a one and a half year old. And so I worked very hard, particularly after uh, Donald Trump became the nominee of the Republican Party uh, to do everything I could to prevent him from becoming the president. 
and you know my background is in uh, democratic political campaigns, political organizing. Uh, I'm raised in was raised in South Orange County. Uh, eventually went off to Stanford after having attended public schools in South Orange County, and uh, became student body president at Stanford. Yeah. Uh, went to went went to law school at Duke uh, out in in North Carolina, and I worked on different campaigns straight through. Uh, everything from Bill Bradley's campaign for president back in 1999, 2000, onto uh, you know campaigns uh, in North Carolina, and then uh, ultimately when I got back after having graduated from law school in uh, 2005, a friend of mine named Steve Wesley ran for governor of California, so I worked on his race. Uh, we lost, uh, you know, ultimately uh, became executive director of the Democratic Party of Orange County, started winning some campaigns, and. Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, Barack Obama became president. And I think my generation may have gotten a bit complacent uh, about, uh, you know, fighting for social justice and environmental justice, economic justice. So uh, when Donald Trump became the nominee, uh, I was all in to try to stop him. And, uh, you know, I've been working in the clean energy business as an environmental attorney, as a clean energy advocate, clean energy nonprofit uh, founder and board member. Uh, But something just changed. and, And then, you know, when he won, I was actually in New York uh, at the uh, the the what, what was you know presumed to be the victory party, uh, and it was on the plane ride home back to uh, Southern California where I decided I was going to run. Uh, at least I was going to you know fully explore whether there was an opportunity for a different candidate uh, to run against ISA. Uh, last election, uh, as you mentioned, it was very close. Uh, it was actually one thousand six hundred and twenty-one votes. Uh, it's important to know also that Hillary Clinton won the district by seven and a half percent. And on the congressional side, we underperformed. You know, the district basically consists of North County, San Diego. So, you know, the areas uh, uh, Oceanside and Vista, Carlsbad, Encinitas, Del Mar, Solana Beach, a uh, little bit of La Jolla and UC San Diego, and also consists of Orange County, South Orange County, where I'm from, where I was raised. Uh, Dana Point and San Clemente and San Juan Capistrano, where I live, uh, we underperformed uh, in the congressional race uh, by eight points uh, in uh, uh, North County, San Diego. In other words, Hillary did eight points better in that same area uh, and uh, un- uh, 11 points in Orange County. So we underperformed by 11 points in OC, eight points in, in San Diego. That's how you take a seven and a half point victory for Hillary Clinton and you turn it into a narrow defeat uh, for, for our side. That's that's likely just the incumbent effect, though. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, I looked at the campaign uh, from the periphery, uh, and there really was a tremendous amount that was done in the last three months. Uh, the Washington uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee uh, got involved uh, roughly in July or August uh, when they saw through some polling uh, that ISA was very vulnerable. Uh, they pumped a bunch of money in, and a lot of that money was spent on television. Uh, but it's my belief that uh, the way that you win these races, the only thing that ever has worked and the only thing that ever will ultimately is direct voter contact. In other words, you have to have a long uh, you know, and, and, and uh, really systematic effort to uh, contact your, your Democratic base voters and get them to turn out. Sure. Now, it's, ve- it's very important that people understand that 2018 is a very different election than 2016, a very different set of circumstances. Historically, turnout in the off-year elections uh, drops way, way down. 
you know, as an example, 2016, uh, here in the district, the turnout was 82%. Uh, in 2014, it was 45%. Mm. So given the renewed uh, interest, uh, you know, obviously the, the one good thing to come of Trump's presidency is the renewed uh, and, and aggressive and, and uh, uh, amazing activists that are, that are all around and that are working so incredibly hard. So even if you account for the spike in turnout that will occur from that newfound uh, life uh, from progressive activists, uh, you're still looking at a turnout in the 50 to 60 percent range, which means not only do you need uh, the direct voter contact uh, program, but you, you just fundamentally need a different type of campaign. And with the limited resources that you have, uh, you cannot be defending uh, your side against personal attacks. And, and unfortunately, ISA was able to levy be, you know, and, and third parties on his side were able to levy millions of dollars of personal attacks uh, against our side. And it was my contention uh, when I began evaluating the race and uh, when I ultimately decided to jump in in, in March uh, that, you know, I've tried to live my life to the highest standards of personal integrity. If he's going to come after me, ICE is going to have to come after me on the issues. He's going to have to come after me, you know, um, for goodness sakes, he's going to say that I was a, a supporter of Hillary Clinton's. I mean, you know, if that's the worst that he can say, uh, or, or if he goes after me for being a clean energy advocate, uh, right. my comment, my comment is bring it on. Right. That seem that seems to be what you have going for you, right? Because Daryl Issa doesn't seem to be doing too well these days. Well, he's had a really lousy week, and we can talk about you know his <laughs> his visit visit to the roof. Uh, visit but, but, to the roof. That's right. Well, I, you know, I can share that story. Uh, Please you know, do. Every... I'd like someone who was a little closer, <laughs> a little closer to the ground, because yeah, what is happening when he goes to the corner of a roof with his smartphone and just snapping pictures? Rather than, I mean, you can't tell me that he's afraid for his safety. It's <laughs> he's just he looked like a crazy person up there. Well, let me tell you what happened. So every Tuesday, uh, really since the inauguration, uh, there is a group, a very committed group of constituents. He calls them protesters. They are constituents. Right. Uh, they are equally fed up, uh, as I am, by Donald Trump and by Daryl Issa's blind allegiance to Donald Trump on every single issue. We're talking 100% blind allegiance to Donald Trump. And we can go into some of those issues. But so every week there's, you know, three or four or five, all the way up to 800 people that show up. And, you know, his district office is uh, in Vista, uh, right off the 78 freeway. And, you know, over these last several weeks, uh, the city of Vista, uh, perhaps under the direction of ISA and his office, has been pretty tough on these constituents and forced them across the street and, and uh, you know, really limited their uh, uh, some of what they can what they can do. And you know, to the point where the ACLU has said that uh, those actions are actually unconstitutional. It was an article in yesterday's San Diego Union-Tribune. Uh, the woman that has uh, organized these rallies, uh, Ellen Montanari, uh, you know, she is a, a constituent. She is a, a, a terrific uh, lady and has done an amazing job. And so yesterday morning, uh, she went, I, I wasn't there for this, but, um, you know, she went to, to uh, see ISA and uh, presumably to talk about... Uh, you know, some of what the uh, uh, city is doing with regard to these uh, these rallies. Mm -hmm. And ISA would not even 
give her the time of day. Isa wouldn't shake her hand. You know, she extended her hand to to uh, shake Isa's hand. And Isa said, uh, I don't want anything to do with you people. I'm not going to shake your hand. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, Ellen said, well, you know, you're not going to uh, come and, uh, you know, take over and talk to us uh, or, or, or have the opportunity to, to interact with us if that's your attitude. And so that went down before I got there. Now, when I got there, Isa came outside and he actually spoke with the one or two people that were still on the side of the street where his district office is, uh, including a friend of mine, Bob Spencer. Uh, and so he spoke to Bob for maybe five or 10 minutes. And uh, then a woman... A woman walked across the street with a plate of toast, a basket of toast, uh, you know, to give it give it to him as a gift to say, Daryl, your toast. Right. Right. And he, he didn't like that. So he turned around with his district director and they walked back inside. And, and I turned to my staffer and I said, man, that was kind of anticlimactic. You know, that, that's all we that's all we get. And, you know, a few minutes go by. And people are just, you know, doing the rally. And, and there's always, you know, creative songs that you know, people come up with and things of that sort. And, and then lo and behold, my staffer, you know, kind of taps me on the shoulder and he points up to the sky. He said, look, you know, look up there. <laughs> and I looked up and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I, I mean, I literally couldn't believe it. So I, you know, in this social media age, what do you do? You grab your phone, you start snapping pictures and I put it on Twitter. And I think it's been, you know, viewed, I don't know, 20, 30, 40,000 times and retweeted and liked. And it wound up as a national story. Yeah. And, and then Daryl, he posted about 90 minutes later, he was just up there to take a quick pick of his constituents. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, what happened next is he came back downstairs. He was only up there a brief time, maybe a minute. And he came back downstairs eventually. And he brought a piece of cake. He had a piece of cake and he brought it out to the one Trump supporter across the street. So there's one guy, this guy named Sean, every week shows up with his Make America Great Again hat. He's got his defund Planned Parenthood sign and his motorcycle. And Daryl brought him a piece of cake and you know, let them eat cake, I guess. Yeah. And, and he turned around. Everybody was booing him, turned around and went back inside. That, that was the extent of his interaction uh, with the constituents that were gathered. Uh, so I don't regret for one, say, or one second saying that he was uh, afraid to interact with his constituents. Uh, because that's exactly what I saw. Right. And, uh, you know, was he hiding in the, in the literal sense of, you know, could we not see him? Well, we could see him up on the roof, but he certainly didn't want to be down speaking with us. So, right. And Isa's communication director has obviously said that you don't have your facts straight, but Isa has a little bit of a problem where it relates to someone saying that something happened and then him <laughs> trying to say that it didn't happen like that. Like that seems to be a common theme that's going on yeah. here because he, he flipped off a reporter, right? <laughs> this situation happened with the reporter and yes. she tweeted and said, I just tried to ask him a question about James Comey and he flipped me off like this literally happened. And she actually well, had a witness. Th this is a great, a great example. So, you know, he, uh, I, I don't know. I, I take the reporter's word. Uh, and, and there was a second person there that, that also took the reporter's word. I, I look at the whole situation. You got to put it in context. So he was asked a question about James Comey and about the Trump Russia situation. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has made his reputation in Congress as a supposed watchdog. Yeah. Uh, in, fa in fact, he even wrote a book 
most people haven't read the book. I was able to buy a copy for $3.14 on Amazon. New, <laughs> by the way. It's $27.99. So I got a heck of a deal. I'm kind of upset that, you know, I had to send, uh, you know, probably made like a dime off that. But what well, are you going to do? Well, you know, do? listen, but, there's something to be said for the free market. And uh, you, you, <laughs> you, you paid you paid what the market would, uh, what it required. Was, That's which is... exactly right. Well, the book, the book costs more to ship than it did to actually buy. But anyway, so... Uh, I got the book and I I read through it and the hypocrisy is astounding because this is a guy, he became House Oversight Chair and he led investigations into Benghazi, into the IRS scandal, into Fast and Furious. He he wasted $40 million of our taxpayer money, of your money and my money. Also, the that he didn't like the healthcare.gov website rollout so he oh. he dragged Kathleen Sebelius into that mess over and over and over again too well he he said that there, uh, he said that Barack Obama was the most corrupt yeah. president in our history and he also said back in 2010 that Barack Obama had committed impeachable offenses mm. and <laughs> and the impeachable offense was that uh, there was a guy running for, uh, potentially running for the U.S. Senate, Congressman Joe Sestak in Pennsylvania, and somebody allegedly had offered Sestak some sort of job in exchange for him not running. And so ISA was up in arms about this until someone let ISA know that George W. Bush had done exactly the same thing. Then Daryl ISA backed away. P- patronage jobs, just for the audience's uh, edification, patronage jobs, while maybe distasteful, they go all the way back to George Washington. And there you go. The, the the union was preserved, and the Emancipation Proclamation was passed because of patronage jobs. <laughs> so so now let's fast forward for a minute. You've got uh, a situation where uh, you know the the Russia investigation uh, was ongoing, and people were beginning to see what was happening. You know, Congressman Adam Schiff, uh, who's endorsed my campaign, has really led on this issue. I, I like to say that that Congressman Schiff is a real watchdog and that Daryl Issa is a fake watchdog. And, you know, Daryl Issa, uh, lo and behold, on February 24, he went on the Bill Maher show and he told Bill Maher that he thought uh, Jeff Sessions was too close to Trump because of his involvement with the campaign, that having a deputy attorney general in charge of the investigation wasn't good enough because that was just another political appointee. So you needed a special prosecutor. Right. Now, when I heard that, I said, wow, you know, I actually said that. That's amazing. And just for, you know, to be clear, I would rather that he do the right thing and make it tougher for me to beat him. I'd rather he do the right thing for the country. Yeah. And rather than the, the narrow politics of our race. So I was happy when he said that. Now, three days later, he backtracked. Obviously, they got to him and they said, Daryl, what are you doing? That's not the party line. So then three days later, he said, well, I meant you only needed a special prosecutor if a crime has been committed. Right. Well, how are we supposed to know if a crime has been committed unless there's a special prosecutor? Yeah. yeah. Also, I, well, yeah. I was on Bill Maher. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. He was scared. So, Again, he was scared by those by those frothing at the mouth, violent, angry liberals who really, you right. know. Yeah. Well, come and... On. and And the other thing he said was it was enough for the House and Senate intelligence committees to do an independent investigation. At the time, Devin Nunes was the uh, head of the uh, House intelligence investigation. Richard Burr was the head and is the head of the Senate intelligence investigation. It's important people understand 
that both Nunes and Burr are big Trump people that yeah. were involved in the campaign, that were involved in the transition team, just as Daryl Issa was. And unfortunately, uh, even the new replacement for Nunes, uh, Mike Conaway of Texas, he too uh, was involved. And there's a great picture of him that I've tweeted around wearing a Make America Great Again hat. That's yeah. who's running those two investigations in the House and the Senate. So then Daryl was silent on this issue, despite being called out by me and by a lot of people in the press. He said nothing about this from February 27th all the way through until Mueller was named uh, as special counsel. With one exception, he flicked the reporter off. That was the one thing that he did, did do, is he flicked the reporter off. I believe it was May 16th that he did that. Hmm. So then Mueller gets appointed, and then on May 18th, Daryl Issa goes on national TV and he lies. He blatantly lies. And he says that he was one of the first to call for the special prosecutor and that he was for it right. all along, that he was for it all along. I bring that up because it is a perfect example. It encapsulates what Daryl Issa is all about. The raw, unabashed hypocrisy, the audacity of the hypocrisy is what gets me every time with this guy that leads me that leads me perfectly into what i want to talk about next which is your your wheelhouse which would be you know the environment and he's he's trying to be this guy who has it both ways where he's he's going to be able to to be a chameleon and change his colors based on whatever wherever the political winds are blowing he sees the writing on the wall now for trump so he's he's trying to be both people but relative to the environment he is he's on. Listen, the League of Conservation Voters has given him a four percent lifetime <laughs> rating. He's quoted as saying that there's a wide range of scientific opinion on the yes. reality of climate change, which is, well, it's bullshit. Ninety seven percent. Ninety seven percent of climate scientists say it's real. It's 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 a, an existential crisis that we face and humans contribute to it. And it is a human. Uh, yes. Brittany. Well, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now he's he's making a, kind of a slow march the other way, but it's too late, brother. It's too late. The environment well, he, is a really strong. Jesse's very passionate about the environment. Well, as listen, you can see. on the uh, the day after <laughs> Donald Trump withdraws us from the Paris Climate Accord, it's the the our diplomatic clout globally is going to diminish greatly because of this move. And Daryl Issa, along with many other Republican members of Congress, are responsible for this atmosphere that's been created, this climate science denial. And it, it you know, it's uh, it makes well, me unhappy, Mike. It makes me unhappy. It makes me unhappy, too. You know, I've been fighting my entire professional career to try to protect our planet. And I've been in clean energy now for about 12 years, both as an attorney and as a nonprofit founder and, and working for two clean energy companies. And you know, I sent Daryl Issa the book Climate Change for Beginners, uh, which is a 150-page book that has pictures, takes about two hours to read. Uh, I sent it to him back in December. Has he, has and, he, has he gotten through it yet? Well, so, so he claimed so, – so then I heard nothing, of course. I, I you know, didn't, didn't hear anything back for my, my holiday gift that I'd sent them. And then in, in March, you know, I announced the campaign on March 8th. Uh, coincidence or not, on that very same day, he announced that he was going to hold his first town hall meeting in seven years. So, you know, I got a ticket, uh, went online, got a ticket, and then I showed up. And in order to ask a question, 
you uh, there was actually a raffle and you had to have your raffle number called. And then lo and behold, the last question uh, in the first hour of the town hall, he called my number. And so I had brought a backup copy of Climate Change for Beginners. And I stood up. I said who I was. He immediately tried to be condescending and to try to tell the, the press, oh, this person's campaigning. He's a candidate. He's a candidate. And I said, no, I'm a concerned constituent. I'd like to ask a question. I turned to the crowd. I said, should I be able to ask a question? They said, yes, you should be able to ask a question. So I said, Congressman, for 16 years, you've denied the fundamental scientific consensus on climate. That's why I sent you this book, Climate Change for Beginners. And he says, ask your question, young man, very condescendingly. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> OK, OK, why is it that you blindly support Donald Trump's agenda to gut the EPA and to gut basic science? And his answer, and, you know, of course, then they took my microphone away, uh, but I was able to walk up and give him the backup copy of Climate Change for Beginners, which, you know, then he told Fox and Friends of all people the next morning that he had some new reading material. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I doubt he's read it. I, I may have another copy of that book to hand him. Listen, uh, we're to, lucky to, he didn't, today or tomorrow. We're lucky after you gave him the, the, the back of the book that he didn't run to the roof. I mean, yeah. you, we're lucky that he exactly. stayed in there and, and at least addressed it. Well, um, what he what he said was was truly remarkable. He he said, you know, uh, I'm a conservationist because uh, I uh, I was a camp counselor during Earth Day, uh, and and his answer on energy policy at the town hall was that we needed more. Uh, fossil fuel power plants, more natural gas. Wow. He's for he's for offshore drilling along our precious Southern California coast. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an issue that we could do very well with people that just care about their their clean clean air, clean water, clean beach. They don't want nuclear waste on the coast. And this guy uh, is really off the reservation when it comes to uh, the issues that anybody that cares about the environment uh, holds dear. He also said he wanted to keep the existing nuclear plants open longer, which flies in the face of everything that we believe. Uh, having the San Onofre uh, nuclear plant here in, in Southern California in the district, having been decommissioned you know, a couple of years ago. So with this Paris Accord, uh, given the opportunity to ask him about it, I'm going to say, uh, look, you know, we've gone from being a leader to being a laughingstock. And you've said and done absolutely nothing. Uh, you've you've only empowered Donald Trump uh, in, in this and so many other ways. And oh, by the way, have you read the book that I've now sent you twice? And would you like a third copy? When are you <laughs> going to wake up? So I, I, I'm actually holding a copy of the book. Uh, your, your podcast listeners can't hear that, but I'm actually holding a copy of the book right now. And and I'm going to hand deliver this to Congressman Issa either today or tomorrow or the next opportunity. Well, good. Listen, you're you're doing yeoman's work. We it's it's a noble endeavor. Well, I don't know. Sometimes not so noble. Congress is a kind of a I, listen. I work <laughs> I, I work for the Senate for several years after I got out of the Marine Corps, and uh, it's a it, it's kind of a it, it is <laughs> what's happening no, no, right now. It, it is Come a sacrifice. It, it is you can a, say it, Jesse. It, it is a sacrifice because Washington is a shithole. <laughs> And it's so it, it, it I oh, admire man. people who who have noble intent to go there because oftentimes, you know, listen, I, I don't think well, I look at it this way. There's one of two things going on with a Daryl Issa type guy. And I don't think he's a dumb guy. I don't think you amass. A, I don't either. The fortune that he has being a, a dumb guy. So he, it's either he's a dumb guy 
or he's a liar. He's 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 a he's uh, misrepresenting himself and denying the the overwhelming scientific consensus on on climate change and many other issues for that matter. And if if that's the case, then we need to get him the hell out of there. We need f- fresh blood with good, valid, reasonable ideas who who respect and and take science into consideration. Being the richest man in Congress doesn't make you the smartest man in Congress. No. That's for sure. You can say the same about being the richest president yeah. that we've ever had certainly doesn't make you the smartest. Well, I, I think for me, you know, we're the ones we've been waiting for. You know, if we don't stand up and, and actually uh, try to make positive change and try to turn this thing around, uh, when are, you know, what are we waiting for? We, we can't wait. You know, my, my two small kids... Uh, the the quality of life that they have, the type of country they grow up in, is going to really hang in the balance here, and it's very personal to me. On yeah. on one side of the family, my grandparents were Mexican immigrants. They came from Mexico very young. Uh, they never even graduated high school. They had five girls, including my mom. All five of them graduated college. My mom was the first in the family with an advanced degree. Eventually, my grandpa became a, a citizen. He was an incredibly patriotic guy. I think he would be completely disgusted and ashamed by what's happening with all the anti-immigrant, anti-Mexican-American rhetoric that's going on. On the other side of the family, uh, Jewish immigrants. My grandpa served in World War II in the Army Air Force. He came back after having flown over the Pacific Rim, seeing the devastation of what happened in Japan. He came back. He started a small business with my grandma, carpet and drapery business. He couldn't use the last name Levin because of the anti-Semitism going on. Uh, in Southern California back in the 40s and 50s. It wasn't that long ago. Right. And I think he too would be disgusted and ashamed by what's happening with folks like Steve Bannon, who are now in the inner, inner circle of power, who have, you know, on the record, have, have said and, and empowered anti-Semitism. Yeah. And, and this cannot be tolerated anymore. When Barack Obama was president, I like to think that we had moved beyond a lot of that intolerance. And a lot of that, uh, that subtle discrimination, uh, we have to stand up because if we don't do it, and if we don't do it now, we're going to take a step so far back. When Trump talks about make America great again, you can argue it's a dog whistle to those dark days. It most, we cannot go back. It, it's abs- Listen, th- th- they're beyond using code words. When, yeah. when you have a guy like Bannon who now fully full on has the ear of the president of the United States and and backing out of the Paris climate agreement is is a, a testament to that because it's been reported that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump his own daughter mm-hmm. were 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 opposed to pulling out so the only voice that Donald Trump is now listening to especially with the heat on Kushner is yeah. the KKK aligned right Steve Bannon that's that should terrify everyone, even the most ardent of, of Trump supporter. Well, I completely agree. And, and, you know, you brought up Kushner. We can't let him get off the hook either here. I mean, what I, what I like to say is, can you imagine for just a second what Daryl Issa would say and do had Hillary Clinton won the election and had Hillary Clinton's son-in-law yes. wanted, wanted a covert communications channel with Russia uh, to prevent U.S. intelligence uh, from learning information. Can you imagine what Daryl Issa would have said about that? Let's put it in perspective. He was already going after Hillary, uh, trying to set the foundation for impeachment for Hillary on the premise that she was going to win last November on the basis that the private server that she had set up may have been vulnerable to 
uh, attack from Russia. Right. May have been. <laughs> right, right. Now Trump openly, willfully shares highly classified information with Russia, with Kislyak. Right. Admits it. With a and noted said, with a noted Russian spy recruiter. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and what is ISIS response to all of this? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because he's a fake. He's a fake and a fraud. That's why. <laughs> ISA wants to impeach Hillary Clinton before she's even president and believes that Barack Obama should have been impeached, but no go with but, Trump. But nothing to see here, everybody. Yeah. Move along. Yeah. <laughs> the reason he the reason he flicked off that reporter, the reason he hides on the roof is because he knows the truth. He's a smart guy, but he cannot, uh, unfortunately, put his country over his party. Why that is, I don't know. What do they have on him? What deal have they cut with him? I have no idea. But I do know this. We're going to run an extraordinarily hard run over the next 18 months, 100 percent of the time to tell that story and also to provide a very positive, progressive alternative to the nonsense that he's trying to sell. That's how we'll beat him. That is a perfect. This couldn't have been scripted any better, Mike. Right there, that's the place to end. Wow, what a strong finish. Well, so I listen, it. I, we I want to get your info out there. We'll put in the show notes. Yep. You know, it's new yep. media, so we've got little links we can click, and people can can go to your website to donate to get involved in the campaign. We do have a lot of listeners here locally, even though we're not you know a, a geographically well, a local podcast. I invite everybody listening to join our 48,000 and growing following on Twitter uh, at MikeLevinCA. You can go to our website at MikeLevin.org to volunteer. We've got hundreds of volunteers. We need many, many more in order to win. Again, it's all about turnout. It's all about uh, getting that Democratic base mobilized and then reaching out to enough people in the middle that maybe even voted for Trump, but are concerned about the coast or concerned about uh, the environment or Heaven forbid that they lost their health care. You can't fake that. There is yeah. no fake news about losing your health care. And ISO, of course, we hadn't talked about this, but he was the deciding vote yeah. on, on Trump care. The deciding vote. We're never going to let people forget that either. Ah, that's good. Listen, we would be we would be uh, voting for you other than the fact that we're represented by Dana Rohrbacker, Mike. So <laughs> we uh well, you- you have a few very good candidates running against him, and you should talk to them too. Yeah, we 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 have him on the, we, time has come as well. I think so. We have him on the slate. So we listen. We appreciate your time. Have a great weekend. Thank you, you too. You too. Thanks for coming on. You got it. Bye bye. So not only is it important to get Daryl Isa out of there, Mike seems like a a good alternative. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Listen, having. Having done the work that I've done over the course of my life and worked on Capitol Hill, like I am want to mention, mention sometimes, uh, there's, there's a lot of bad apples up there. Washington has a way. It used to be called Potomac Fever. I don't know what it's called now. But Washington has a way of kind of transforming a person. And you want someone who's solid. You want someone who at their core and their foundational level is a good person and mike levin seems like that kind of guy yeah a family man yeah i also like that he's like look i've lived I, he didn't go as far as to say i've lived a life beyond reproach but he look i've lived a good life a moral life an ethical life i've got a great family if you want to come at me with personal attacks do your worst 
Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because in these times when so many of our leaders are, look, everybody's flawed, but it seems to be a prerequisite <laughs> to get elected to Congress. Mm -hmm. We need somebody who's honest. I especially want somebody who's who's representing the neighboring congressional district to to have somebody representing them who's a good guy. Right. So good for him. We're going to be supporting him. And I would encourage everybody out there, if you've got a few extra dollars, you want to com contribute to a political campaign, this is the one. This is the one to do because Daryl Issa needs to be removed. Send him permanently to the roof of his office in Vista uh, cell phone in hand. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Listen, if you have not yet subscribed to the program on Apple Podcasts, I think that's what they're calling it now, iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you have not yet subscribed to get our twice-weekly program into your feed automatically, now is the time to do that. We would love to have you on board if you are a regular listener and you want to support the show by list, by doing more than listening twice a week, you can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link that says support the show. There you will find a few different ways to get involved, become part of the Patreon slash PayPal family, shop on Amazon, whatever you do. We appreciate every little bit. We think that we're doing uh, important work here to move the conversation forward, to shine a light on important issues that face us globally as well as locally. And uh, we love you guys for, for staying with us. If you'd like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you, and we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. <laughs> come, out, come out and say it. Come out and say it, Jesse. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.